You're listening to a sermon from the Spring Midtown Church in Phoenix, Arizona. If you'd like to learn more about the Spring and its ministry, please visit thespringmidtown.org or follow us on Instagram or Facebook. Would you turn with me to Matthew chapter 7? That's where we're going to be in scripture today. We're continuing in a series called Finding God in the Storm. I don't know if you know this, it's a little stormy out there. Uh, it might be a billion degrees in Phoenix, and yet somehow uh, things seem, uh, well, uh, windy and rainy. We're going to be in Matthew seven twenty four, and this is Jesus talking. Everyone, then, who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rains fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may not know the name John Smeaton. It's kind of a silly name. It's a British name. But he has a massive influence on your life every day. John Smeaton is what many people consider to be the father of civil engineering. Civil engineering is the branch of engineering that says, we shouldn't just build bridges and roads. We should think about them and design them and make sure that they can support certain loads and weights and think about how long they're going to last and what they should be made of and how they connect to each other. And you would think somebody had to come up with that. And yes, somebody did have to come up with that. And that was John Smeaton. He not only came up with that, he also invented what you and I think of as concrete and uh, built many things over the years. But one of his most famous structures is called the Tower of Smeaton. And it used to be called the Lighthouse. Smeaton's Lighthouse. And it was a really cleverly designed building. Basically, it was going to be a lighthouse in the middle of the ocean, sitting on a rock, guiding boats the way that lighthouses do. But it was a lighthouse unlike any had ever been constructed before. Instead of being made out of blocks that sort of sit on one another, it was made out of carved granite, more like puzzle pieces. So they dovetailed together. So you couldn't push the building apart from the inside or push it in from the outside. It would absorb force very differently than normal stone building. It was 76 feet tall, it was massively thick. There were very cleverly designed compartments for storage of food and for where people would live. He'd kind of modeled it off an oak tree in the way that it withstands energy and forces. And it was brilliantly constructed, but it only, well, it made it not quite a hundred years before some of the people living inside the lighthouse began to complain that whenever the waves would hit it, the whole building would shake. You can imagine how scary that would be, living in a stone tower in the middle of the ocean on a rock. Every time water hits it, it shakes. And you, you would imagine that water would hit it quite often in the ocean. And sure enough, it turned out that the rock that the whole tower had been built on was slowly turning into sand. It was eroding from the force of the ocean. And the British were really bummed about this and dismantled the tower and then rebuilt it. Uh, on land. People go to it every year. They call it the Tower of Smeaton because it's no longer a lighthouse. It was a brilliantly designed building 
that was in the wrong place, put on the wrong foundation. And that's exactly what's happening in our story today. Two people are building a house and it doesn't work out for one of them. But this isn't really an architectural conversation. This is an existential conversation. What, what kind of life are we really looking for? What kind of people do we really want to be? And what does that really look like? This is a, a metaphor that Jesus is using. So these guys who are building this house, a place to live, a place to spend your life and deal with your family. This is well, what they're really building is a life. So you and I have a lot in common with them and, and they have a lot in common with each other because everyone is building a house, metaphorically speaking. We're all trying to build the sort of thing that we want to live inside of, the, the kind of life we're really looking for. Brick by brick, piece by piece, we're getting there. And for some of us, this is a very planned out thing. We are really carefully thinking and strategizing about where every brick is going to go and how each piece is going to fit together. And for others of us, we're not really planners. And so it's just sort of brick by brick and we're kind of building as we go and we're sure that we'll be able to adapt to any challenge and change that comes to us. But everyone's building a house and you're looking at each piece and saying, okay, so this is, this is my family and, and I, want, I want it to look like this. Or this is kind of the person I want, to, I want to date at some point and kind of who I want to marry at some point. And this is sort of how we want to deal with our children whenever we have children. This is the plan that we've got for our life. And this is my career. And, and I like some of the pieces and how they're working in some of these pieces. That's like, it's never going to happen for me, but I know kind of where I want to go and what I want this to look like. We're each building the way that we're building. Networking connections, relationships, financially, we've got a plan. We've got bricks. It's coming together. And Jesus is really annoying because he says, Hey, have you thought about what you're building it on? And hopefully that makes you stop and think very carefully because that's what wise people do. And the comparison in the story is between a wise and a foolish person who have a lot in common. Not only are they both building a house, but they are both listening to the words of Jesus. Both of them Hear what Jesus has to say, just like you and I are currently listening to the words of Jesus. The mark of wise and foolish people is not whether they've heard what Jesus has to say. The mark of a house that falls down is not whether you've heard what Jesus has to say. Who are you listening to? You know, they do studies every year in the United States, of America, every year, of course, to find out what is the biggest influence on you when you make decisions or when you vote about certain things. When you think about, say, immigration, What's the most important thing to you? What, what really influences the way you think about a subject as thorny as that? And faith rarely tops that list. It's usually the news programs that I watch. And sometimes my family and my friends, and sometimes well, my own personal experiences and opinions. That's how we tend to look at the world. We, we listen to all sorts of different voices, and Jesus just becomes one among many voices. And of course, in a time like this, you realize that, well, there are lots of really complicated issues and we have all sorts of voices we're listening to. So in a COVID time, who are you listening to? Is it Fox News or CNN? Are those the people who will determine how we respond to this crisis? Is our friends or our family, our own experiences of anxiety or of confidence? Who is shaping the way we view the world in this season? Who are we listening to? 
And what are we doing with what we're hearing? That's what Jesus wants to know. But again, these two have lots in common and we have lots in common with them. Not only are they both building houses, not only are they both listening to the words of Jesus, they're both in a storm. And we know what that feels like at the moment. They both experience a massive, catastrophic storm, a crisis. The rains come down and the rivers swell and flood and the wind beats against the house. Literally in Greek, the language is really violent, like a beating, and someone pounding and punching on the house, trying to tear it to pieces. And it's when storms like that happen, and you realize that everyone experiences them, that many people start to say, well, why am I listening to the words of Jesus? Like, what would be the point of listening to Jesus? If we all experience the same storms, if storms come for everybody, if everybody experiences the same cancer, Everyone has the same weird twists of fate in their life. Everyone goes through suffering and pain and loses loved ones inexplicably. Everybody deals with weird job hurdles or crazy crises or suddenly national pandemics. If that happens to those who listen to Jesus and who don't listen to Jesus, what's the point of listening to Jesus? Because we can guarantee that storms will happen to everyone. It's, it seems that these two people are building their houses side by side. So that we really do have the comparison and they look almost identical, even when they go through suffering and pain, they look almost identical. Almost. Because then the clouds clear and the rain stops and the breeze dies down. And in the carnage of the landscape after the storm, one of the buildings is still standing. And it's really surprising when you think about the violence of the storm, the waters were coming from below, that the rain was coming from all directions, that the wind was beating on the house. It's amazing really that one of the houses stayed standing. It would make someone ask, I think, what's your secret? how did you make it through something like that? See, the, the big difference between these two, the tangible difference, you only see it after the storm. After the storm, you begin to wonder, okay, so why did your building stay up and why did mine fall down? What's, what's different about you or the way that you are listening to Jesus and the way that I'm listening to Jesus? And then we go back to the earlier words of Jesus and we realize all along he's been telling us, well, there's a big difference between these two people. Some hear and do, some hear and don't. Some hear and do, some hear and don't. And that might seem like a simple, inconsequential decision, but it makes all the difference in the world. There was a 2006 medical study, so this is years ago, but it's still true, about people who go through heart bypass surgery. It's about a half a million, 600,000 people every year get a heart bypass in the United States of America. It's one of the main ways that we stave off one of our main ways of dying. And a heart bypass, if you don't know about it, it, basically, if you've got a heart, which we all do, and something gets blocked, right, there's a little clog, surgeons will go in around the vessels and they'll kind of create a little end run around the block. They'll bypass it, hence the name bypass surgery. And after that happens, you're good, your heart works. But the surgeons will sit you down anyway and say, you have to change your life. 
And when they tell you, you have to change your life, what they're going to say is exactly the stuff they would have said before you got the heart clock. You're going to need to exercise. You're going to need to change the way you eat, less fat, more vegetables. You're going to have to find that you're drinking less, that you're smoking never, that you deal with stress differently, that you deal with anxiety differently, that you deal with your anger differently. That list goes on and on and on. You have to live a different life if you want to really enjoy this change in your heart that you've received. But in this 2006 medical study, what they found was that nine out of 10 people don't listen. I mean, they listen, but they don't do. They hear and don't. They don't. Nine out of 10. Now that's amazing, but it's not that amazing when you think about it, because the same patterns of behavior that led them to the problem in the first place are the same patterns they still have in their life on the back end. You and I, right? We've been given this new heart. That's what the Bible says. That we've been given a new heart by Jesus, literally, spiritually, but literally a brand new heart, a brand new experience of life and a brand new way to live our life. And what Jesus says is the same stuff he said before about how we live, how we treat other people, the sort of habits we need, the kind of habits we need to get rid of, the kind of people we need to become if we really want to follow Jesus, if we really want to enjoy this brand new kind of heart. Jesus actually, in this whole sermon that he's been giving, because this is the very end, this is the punchline of what's called the Sermon on the Mount, has been talking about that new kind of heart, that new kind of life, that new kind of person that we're supposed to become. He says, look, if you really want to enjoy this, you're going to have to change your life. Change the way you deal with stress and anxiety. Change the way you deal with anger and fear. Change the way you deal with suffering and with one another. But there are some who hear and do, and some who hear and don't. Those people, he's saying, that, that fundamental difference. It's like people who build on sand or people who build on rocks. Now, there are lots of reasons to build on sand. It's cheaper. It's easier. It doesn't involve nearly as much effort to clear a foundation in a sandy space. There are lots of reasons to build on sand. It's cheaper. It's easier. And by the way, if you don't think you're ever going to go through crisis, if you don't think you're ever going to suffer, if you don't think the storms will ever really get that bad, Sand makes sense. Why would you go through all the effort of building on rock? Because a rock is obnoxious. It's not nearly as malleable. A rock has its own shape to it. They're sort of, you know, stubborn in the way that a rock operates. You have to change your building to fit the rock. The rock determines actually the structure of the building and the way the building is going to function. You have to adapt to the rock and not the other way around if you want to build on the rock. And Jesus is exactly like that. If we want to become people who follow Jesus, we have to completely change our lives so that we can be on something stable and sure and secure. And for many of us, that just seems like an awful lot of work. I mean, it'd be so much easier to build on sand and to make Jesus just one of many blocks, one of many bricks that we would put into our house. It's not that I don't want to listen to Jesus. I would love some of the morality and I would love some of the ethics and I would love some of his thoughts on dealing with children. And I would like to become some of these things as a person. And Jesus says, yeah, I can't be one of the bricks. I've got to be the foundation itself. How are you building? What are you building your life on? Are you hearing and doing or hearing and donting? Because, he says, 
you may find that there will be a crisis and the whole thing will get shaky and collapse. But the amazing good news about a story that Jesus tells is, of course, we all find that our lives are a wreck already. And anytime we come to Jesus, we find that he offers us a brand new opportunity to start rebuilding again, to choose a better foundation this time, that that offer of a new heart comes again and again and again, that offer of a new life comes again and again and again. The really surprising thing in this story is not that the stupid person's house falls down. That was predictable. Maybe not at the beginning, but it's kind of obvious when you stop and think about it. The really amazing thing is that the wise person's house stays standing. No matter what the storms of life throw at it, it stays standing. Because that's the power the words of Jesus have when we really base our life, build our lives on them.